Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. Coming to you live from the bed of an F-150. I'm your host Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back everyone. Uh, We've got... Uh, A busy episode, even with F1, on the summer break this week, so we have a little bit of a sprinkling of F1, we've got lots of League of Legends to talk about, some Magic the Gathering, as always. Justin, good to see you, how are you? Yeah, good to see you too, man, I'm doing pretty well, you threw me a curveball, I thought your uh, wedding officiating was this past weekend, I had a whole different opening planned, I had to uh, call the audible, like Tom Brady, but, uh, you know, we are here and ready to roll. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Um, like I was saying to, to you before the episode, the, the preparation for the wedding and all is, uh, has definitely been a little stressful. My mental and, and preparing to do some public speaking, but uh, I am excited for it as well. So it's going to gonna be a good weekend. Um, that actually uh, does kind of lead me into my rose thorn and seed for this week as well, because my rose, oh, yeah. Let's uh, hear it. my rose is uh, that I am like I'm pretty happy with uh, with the work that I've done on the speech for the ceremony and everything. I had um, I had like a solid speech, and then. I, I just kind of felt like there was something that was like missing a little bit from it or that I wasn't uh, hitting like a couple things that I wanted to in it and couldn't figure out how to work them in. Um, Colleen and I watched a video then last night of her cousin's fiance officiated uh, of her own friend's weddings. And so there was, they had a whole wedding video and there were a couple portions of her speech and all that like just jogged my memory enough to be like, Oh, that's exactly what I need to do um, to shift a couple things around and fit what I want into my speech. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much wrapped up with that other than the, the practice of just getting everything down and being ready to nail it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. So that's my rose that for is, this week. Uh, quite exciting. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, my thorn this week is just the uh, the weather, really, how hot it's been outside. It has been rough uh, and has kind of put a damper on uh, a lot of outdoor activities. Um, just this past weekend, like we we're doing some stuff with my family um, for my mom's birthday, and we were uh, over shady maple shout out shady maple and so we saw all these uh yard sales that were out and about like during like our drive there and so we were like stopping at some on the way home and one it was a little too late so they were like all kind of closing up but two it was just brutal heat um the past couple days have been rough just walking from one building to another at work to to do some stuff i feel like i'm uh just like drenched in sweat um so I'm hoping it cools off a little bit so I can spend a little more time outside comfortably. But mm-hmm. I guess that's global warming for you. 
Yeah, you hate just uh, creating a puddle the second you walk out the door. Your shirt is uh, just a wet blanket on you, and that's never any fun. Yeah, so uh, so that's been my thorn. Um, also, because I've been trying to uh, get back into running a bit more, I've been running like at least one of the days of my weekend, and it's just too too damn hot out when you're waking up and it's already like 85 degrees outside. It's just not not great for it, but. For my seed, um, I have decided that I'm going to try out a a different form of exercise a little bit, Um, something that I've kind of wanted to to try out or I've been intrigued by from videos that I've seen. And so um, I'm looking to try and use getting into calisthenics to uh, kind of continue track that I want to be on in terms of like exercising. I've been running a bit more, um, haven't been lifting as much. So I think this is kind of a way that I can, um, with the motivation of doing something new, kind of push myself forward into, to kind of my goal of getting back in shape a little bit. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting because it's a, um, different kind of style of working out than what I'm used to. And, uh, my flexibility I think is going to also get better as I'm working on it because it is so focused on form and executing like proper motions for things. And also, um, hopefully I'll, I'll get that benefit out of it as well as, uh, being in shape and building a little bit of, uh, muscle through that as well. Hmm. Yeah. The interesting thing about the body weight exercises is what I've found doing them is if you like you were saying, where you focus on the form, you focus on the like proper motion of it, proper body mechanics, it ends up being about the process and not necessarily the results. I don't think that's the thing you want to do if you're you know, looking for some kind of tone or definition or looking for like a particular look to your body. Um, But I do believe there's like discipline benefits to it. You know, you start focus on the breathing elements as well. um, And the calisthenics can be pretty meditative and quite enjoyable and i've found yeah definite increases just in general strength i felt increases in like mobility and flexibility also decreases in like general pains and discomfort it's a good way to like if you notice a particular pain coming on during certain motions there's for sure a calisthenic exercise that you can do to help reverse that and then strengthen the other side. And after a little while, you notice, oh, yeah, that like pain in my hip is gone because my hamstrings are a little stronger than they were. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to hear that you're excited by those ideas and excited by those exercises because, yeah, I've I've found a lot of a lot of use uh, to them for sure. Yeah. And I've seen, um, I've seen a number of videos on like TikTok and all with people doing the exercises and some like really kind of extreme, like competition level, almost like calisthenics. And, uh, they, I mean, 
it seems like you can get to like having a crazy physique, but I, I mean, my main goal is to just, yeah, get into good general fitness and my flexibility and range of motion and things like that have not been what I've wanted them to be for a while, but yoga has still kind of just been too, I know I've talked about it, but it's been a little uh, intimidating and just having the time to go to an actual class. I haven't, uh, made the time for it yet. So, mm -hmm. um, I think this is a good way. I, I will say so far, I'm not to the, to the body feeling better parts. I went, uh, decently hard on my first workout doing, uh, I followed this guy's beginner, like calisthenics exercise thing. And I don't think it was like first time ever exercise thing more like, Oh, here are some things that you can do. And I just like ran through it all. And, uh, so I'm feeling, feeling a little bit sore. Uh, but it, I think that will, uh, of course go away and then I'll be able to, um, kind of keep pushing forward with it. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, pain is just weakness leaving the body brother. So, uh, you know, deal with it. Yeah. So I'll just, uh, I'll suck it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, uh, that does cover my rose thorn and seed for this week. What's been going on for you? Uh, how's your week been? Well, uh, looking at my notes here, one final thought about calisthenics and stretching and yoga. Mm, Sarah and I recently got a shipment from massage, uh, from the massage place. And, um, our foam roller came in. It just mm. hit the uh, mailbox today. So, you know, I was rolling out my calves, rolling out my quads, hitting all the areas. Um, so that may be an interesting option for you in the hopes of uh, increasing the, you know, length and pliability of those muscles there. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's a good fun thing. Just remember to breathe when you're doing it. Will do. And I do have a foam roller. Um, it always hurts when I use it. So that means you're it, doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have the one that's like a stick that you run on mm -hmm. your muscles or I have like an actual like foam roller that I like lay on. And oh, man, that that's is, sick too. Yeah. That is, uh, my body weight on it is a little bit, um, much I think for my muscles, but it's, it's good for them. So, uh, so I keep at it. Helps my yeah. hip, my hip flexors a lot. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so. quite enjoyable. Stay fit, everybody. Stay flexible. Um, and what's the uh, what's that guy with the beard? Stay stay thirsty, my friends. Is that like is yeah, that I trademark? Can I get like shot in the head for saying that? I don't think so. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't think so. I think we're good. Fair enough. Moving on. Um, what were you gonna say? No, I was just letting you, uh, you, you're weak and you're really oh. seed. Sick, dude. <laughs> well, thank you. My bad for uh, stopping the train here. Well, so my rose here for the week, um, interesting one. I know you've heard me talk about it before. My so we're setting expectations early before it gets out of hand me and sarah had the uh holiday conversation i told her like what my plan for it is and like kind of what i want to do and she was kind of over the moon with it and so it's nice going 
into that, just like setting up expectations. We know it's going to happen. And overall, I'm feeling like more comfortable than I was last year and, um, you know, any time before. So very excited about that. Definite Rose. Um, How how so? Like, are you talking about um, like gift buying for each other or just your general like this is where like what my family's doing and kind of like figuring that all out or both a little bit of both and kind of kind of giving it to her saying hey these are all the things that i'm gonna be okay with i kind of need you to be steering the ship it's not like it's not really my wheelhouse for that i said i'll help in any way Mm -hmm. that i need to but i i basically like help me to help you kind of thing where previously I felt like kind of flounderish where it's like, okay, if I don't want to do that, what am I supposed to do instead? What are we supposed to do instead? Like what is the healthy thing here? Um, so we just kind of set all that stuff up gift expectations where I said, look, you know, I think for this year we should do X, Y, and Z to set up this because we've had this conversation previously. Um, so we just did a lot of that stuff. So we kind of know what the, you know, what the ticket on the holiday season is going to be, but it's something that we've like been looking forward to something we've been planning for and, uh, just all that kind of stuff. And it just feels good to just kind of put that in your back pocket and just say like, all right, cool, done, dusted. We don't even have to worry about it now. We can just move on take care of other things yeah that's nice to to not have to stress about that because they the holiday sorry my camera keeps freezing and i I can't tell if my voice is but the holidays can be uh a little bit of a stressful time with figuring a lot of those pieces of the puzzle out and everything um like you said with uh knowing it's not your forte i'm sure that's that's nice to be able to just have that uh, as you said, done and dusted. Yeah. Just a little bit of prep can go a long way. Um, but yeah, that kind of brings me to my seed, uh, talking with Sarah has just improved like dramatically being that we're both, you know, taking steps to work on the things that we don't do so well, uh, for each other. It's, fun to come back together on those days and days since where it's like oh we we are just understanding each other better and there's this like sense of like teamwork going on where it's like hey we both understand that we're doing these things yada 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 um so it just feels pretty good in that regard and that is like wouldn't have the the holiday conversation doesn't happen without the seed of this yeah. week, you know what I mean? Um, so they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, so that's really fun. Uh, I love Sarah to death. And then my thorn here for this week, it's just it's just a funny thing. Sarah's sister, Candace, uh, was watching an episode of Curb when we got back over the weekend. And um, so we've been tuning in. It's really funny. The one of the early episodes in season one with Julia Louis Dreyfus, she has this line about a guy who didn't keep an appointment and she just like yells at him. She's like, when you make an appointment, keep it. And she like, you know, flusters out the door and slams the door. And he's like, well, that wasn't a good meeting. Anyway, that like we watched that episode directly, like less than less than a couple hours after having this conversation about like clients and, you know, some, some, 
like friends and family that like may not respect your time as much as you would like them to or you know clients or whatever it is we were just having that conversation and then you know we see this episode of curb and again it just hits us like a brick like oh my god these guys are just like touching on real life in such a just like a, a funny comedic way um so hitting that like little serendipitous moment was just really funny but uh yeah like she said when you make an appointment keep it that's definitely yeah i i uh unfortunately not i i don't do that i don't make appointments and not keep them my my struggle is with knowing if at that moment since i'm kind of introverted uh still whether i'm gonna have the energy for said activity um sure i will just avoid committing to things sometimes uh out of just not knowing if i'll be up for uh for doing them and everything uh like sunday for example like colleen and i had done stuff on saturday with family and all sunday i was kind of expecting to be a like a low-key day and she woke uh, woke me up, or well, I woke up and she's like, let's go to the beach. And I was very, very hesitant about doing it because I was like, in my mind, I had all these plans and things that were like set um, of just like getting things done around the house and yeah. like all. Um, and uh, I went, went ahead and stuck with her plan. And so it uh, reminded me that sometimes I do need to commit to those things because it was it was a lot of fun. It was a nice day, but, uh, but yeah, I think I'm, yeah, the opposite of that canceling plans after making them is I just like, don't make plans sometimes. Yeah. And that's uh, probably the better camp to be in, but, uh, yeah, we want to some interesting things happening in the, um, uh, motor sport realm world. Yeah. Place with the cars. Obviously, we got some roster swaps coming in. Aaron, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, a couple of uh, things before we start talking rosters a little bit um, oh. that have happened. No, they're they're still big things. So uh, Red Bull has um, fired up their first Red Bull powertrain engine. So I guess this is the the first full engine that they've built for the twenty twenty six regulations and all starting to look forward and, and get those things in the works ahead of time. Um, I guess I think that's when the engine freeze ends. So, uh, so they have that first Red Bull powertrain engine starting up, um, which is just pretty cool because it's the first, uh, first Red Bull powertrain engine ever. Um, so that's a, a big thing this week. The other thing, uh, F1 teams have agreed to increase the uh, edges of the floor um, by 15 millimeters. The FIA had proposed 25 millimeters. Teams compromised uh, at 15. So uh, to, to continue the reduction of porpoising and things like that, uh, they've made a little additional kind of regulation to make sure that teams aren't having those issues and keep drivers safe. Yeah. And not, not only keep drivers safe, but there's the, there's the element of 
because that's in the within the realm of something the regulations can control you don't want a gap to develop between these teams just because you know you wanted to keep this rule in and you said oh no i think this is the way to go um so it's it so it's nice to see them kind of um coming to a compromise on that yeah i think i'm or well i'm sure that there are teams that um didn't necessarily want to but i think overall it's just a better uh better way to do it and i'm glad that they found something that that the teams will agree to that will kind of uh yeah just be a good compromise in the middle for everyone yeah yeah big time so those are uh two big things uh one last more fun thing before we get into roster talk was that uh in the new call of duty modern warfare 2 uh that's going to be coming out there is an f1 circuit track that is going to be uh, a map on the um in the game which is pretty cool so it's like uh you've got like the pit lane and the paddock and all the i guess that that will be the little um rooms and whatnot that you can duck in and out of there will be a couple cars like sitting there in the uh in the pit lane as well so that's gonna be pretty cool to to see and everything uh f1 is just infiltrating all aspects of the world that is that is quite that is quite cool i'm curious if they're if they're drawing inspiration from one track in particular if um you know this was just a a timely timely moment for something like that but yeah like you said it seems like seems like everybody wants their piece of uh f1 yeah i think it's uh yas marina is the circuit that it's based off of um, from what i was seeing so uh so pretty cool um looking forward to that i think it'll just be neat to kind of see how they uh do in terms of creating that and see how realistic it'll look i'm sure it'll be funny uh i've already seen a couple of images and the fake teams that they've like put liveries on the car and everything just look funny. Um, it just looks very like, um, how, when you're in a dream, like you can see real things, but something about it's just kind of like off. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be like a dream F1 car, uh, where you're, not like, oh, I, I, dr- I really want this, but like, oh, I'm in a bizarre dream where these F1 cars have weird liveries on them. Right. That makes me think of there's a I can't think of who I th- can't think of the comedian, but this is not my bit where he talks about uh, Canada being an alien's interpretation of america but it being a little bit off and they abduct you drop you in canada and you're like well this seems like where i'm from and then very slowly you start to realize that oh no something is horribly wrong here (laughs) the the people talk weird they're just a little too nice Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah that's funny um but yeah, I think it, I think that's a, a good explanation of it. Um, but I think it'll still be pretty cool, and it's cool to see uh, some other things that I enjoy kind of colliding with F1 a little bit. Um, but enough of the fluff. We've got Danny Rick's talk. It's the Danny More Rick's the hour. Puff. So uh, since we last 
were talking about this. Um, so McLaren. On. So McLaren has uh, officially told Danny Ricks that they're planning to replace him with Oscar Piastri. Um, Oscar Piastri's McLaren con- uh, contract has been validated by the FIA. So that does uh, definitely seem to be in the works. So at this point, um, it all just depends on, well, I guess like what happens this coming year for Daniel, it just depends on buyouts and things like that at this point. Um, He has reached out to Alpine for that seat that's uh, available because Oscar Piastri is not taking it. Um, And so he he seems to be one of the front runners for that seat. Um, But Alpine has said that they've had 14 different drivers reach out to them in regards to the open seat uh, because with – with the McLaren seat being filled and all it's kind of the highest uh, available spot, or I guess Mm -hmm. spot that, that people think would be um, kind of a step up and everything. Uh, It does seem like Alpine would be okay. Taking uh, Danny back. Bless you after um, bless you again. Sorry. Thank you. To, to, bring Danny Ricks back after having left the team to go to McLaren a couple of years ago when it was Renault. Um, so it seems like that, that definitely could end up happening, but there's, um, there's still some pieces of the puzzle that need to, uh, to kind of fall together. Yeah. In regards to going back to the team that he left, I'd be, I think it'd be a little disingenuous to like say that there might be friction there. Like, will that be, you know, will he be respected and this and that? Because Cyril left, correct? And it's Otmar Safnauer, correct? Yep. Right. So it would be like, it's a, it's like a new, it's the same team by name only. There's like a new organization and blah, blah, blah. So. It may not be the worst thing. And interestingly enough, I it it is the car that he would be fighting in McLaren. And it looks like the Alpine might have a little bit better of a trajectory just from, you know, I'm a I've got a tiny little bird brain. I don't really know. But that's just what it seems. So it may not be a bad fit, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And it was uh, the Renault car was a car that Danny had some good success in. He kind of helped to bring that team back from uh, struggling at the back of the midfield to um, kind of competing towards the top of the midfield a little bit after his two years there. Um, And this year, McLaren definitely has a little had a little bit of a a backslide while Alpine has kind of continued that progress forward. Um, I mean, people have been talking about it all season about how the Alpine is a rocket ship in the straight line. They've got a lot of things figured out, it seems, with the new regulations. Um, So it could be a really good uh, option. And so the the question that I kind of want to well. yeah, the question that I kind of want to pose is 
obviously Daniel Ricardo is a beloved member of the F1 paddock of uh, F1 in general. He's been around for quite some time now, probably something like 11, 12 years in F1 now. Um, does that, should that carry weight? I think is my question. Um, there's obviously the fact that he, um, he has had a lot of success in F1 as I had sent you that tweet that I saw that in the past 10 years, only five drivers have scored more wins than Daniel Ricardo. And it's Hamilton, Vettel, Verstappen, Rosberg, and Botas. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that puts his name up there with, uh, I mean, what is it? all of those other people are world champions. Um, right. Not Botas, but still like Vettel, Hamilton, Verstappen, Rosberg, all world champions. Um, so that's pretty, uh, pretty high acclaim, but at the same time, like where does that balance out with current performance and everything? Because you know that there's the potential for these really high highs, um, and, and really being successful. But if, I mean, he's the only, um, only winning driver in a McLaren in the past, probably eight years or something like that too. I forget how long it's been, but there's, has not been a McLaren driver that's won a race in quite some time, except for the McLaren one, two, uh, last season. So, hmm. so then, well, Maybe the maybe the drive where his veteran status mattered was this contract with McLaren. The one phrase that I kept hearing being thrown around was the product wasn't what was promised. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the name weight the weight of the name allowed some blinders to be kept on from the McLaren onboarding crew where he clearly has not gotten as much out of the car as Lando and Mm. nor have we heard anything in the way of, you know, different setup, working a different plan, whatever. It's just some frustrated driving not mm. frustrated driving, frustrated drivers about a car that isn't up to their, you know, up to their whatevers. And then also Daniel not getting as much out of it as Lando. So it feels like even with a decent car, even being a driver that's won a whole decent bit, it hasn't shown up on the track that often in the last couple of years and i remember i remember will buxton talking about in in commenting on thinking about racers he said you're only as good as your last result because it is so you know hammer on forward and 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 progress and making sure you're getting your highest results there's a sense in which like he hasn't done anything memorable this season what's to say that he gets to do it in an alpine maybe there's 
uh, maybe there's a sense in which the name recognition was worth more for the McLaren signing, and they likely would just rather have a young driver that they can mold around Ocon, who is getting a lot out of the car. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely doing well. It's um, it's just an interesting question because it's like you there's so many components to it. Um, there's obviously the the hope that um, well, I, I guess to some extent it's a known quantity. You know where Danny's at right now. You know where he's been and all. Um, and taking a season to just bring in an untested like F2 driver or something like that, even like Piastri, it would be um, kind of a bit of a question mark. Like you don't know what you're getting. It could go really, really poorly. Um, it could go great, but the fact that, you know, like what Danny Ricks is, that's, I think, um, a pretty big thing. Uh, I think the other big component is he is one of the most liked drivers that's on the grid. He gets the, I saw a tracking of, um, top social media interactions across the drivers, um, after race days, Danny Ricks is far and away above everyone like gotcha. millions and millions of impressions more than um than any other driver after after races and everything and so like gotcha that's a huge thing the marketing potential people right. love them like it doesn't matter if you're uh, a fan of any specific team like i don't think there's really anyone who dislikes danny uh and that is great for branding. It's great for sponsorships. So like, I don't know if there's an exact answer, but I, it's kind of getting to the point based on his drives recently. And like you said, uh, your most recent result should be the most important at least, but, um, where well, I, I don't know if it should be, or well, that's just the impression that I have. I guess I just want to, I'm curious where the line is that it's like, okay, the value add of him as a person is no longer worth the drive. Right. So, cause I think that, I think that based on where he's at right now in terms of his driving and everything, his confidence uh, and, and just race day things, qualifying all of that. Um, that's a, I think a, a good question to pose. Cause I think he's close to that line right now of, of where the things he brings to the team sponsorship name recognition veteran status and things like that just don't matter uh if he's not putting out good enough performances right like being worried about a massive contract or paying a massive contract and being worried if like he's still gonna go out in q1 like that's i don't think that's where you want to be as a growing alpine as otmar trying to you know, make an impression as uh, as an up and coming um, uh, team principal for that organization. I know, like mm. he's done work before, but for that organization, um, yeah, I don't know if that's the call that you make. I'd rather because because you have to you have to rip that band aid off 
eventually. Yeah. And it seems like now's a good time to just say, all right, let's just get somebody young in that we can, uh, you know, do the, you know, do the, the, the faker thing or the Bjergsen thing. Yeah. And just kind of try it out. And I mean, looking at just his head to head performances, like you were saying with Lando, Lando's beaten him in nine out of the 13 races, 11, uh, qualifying has out qualified him. 11 times to two. Oh, um, that's bad. Lando has 76 points. Danny has 19. Oh, um, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah, it's it's just the the side-by-sides. They have, both have one DNF. Lando has a podium, and Daniel doesn't. Danny's top finish this season is sixth, um, where Lando was able to finish P3 and get on the right. podium. So it's um, just in the head head like i danny obviously is not getting what they need out of the car so it makes sense to replace him um i'm just curious if alpine decides to go that route kind of i i guess i'm intrigued to see if it's worth it right like is it like Will that be kind of his last drive, or maybe it could be the uh, the resurgence of Daniel Ricardo a little bit? I mean, not. I'm not saying that I expect him to be competing for a world championship like he has hoped for in his career, but um, the what Alonso and Ocon have been able to do with that car, um, I think it's overall a better car than the McLaren right now. Um, at least this season. So it could be interesting to see. And I think that that would be kind of his last, uh, last straw if he's not able to perform. Uh, but I do love seeing him around in F1. So I, I wouldn't complain if he gets that drive. Good for the paddock. That's for sure. Here's my official uh, tall and short prediction. Daniel Ricardo does go to Alpine, signs for a one-year contract. Seems reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hot so, take, obviously. Super hot. Um, hotter than the water that Oscar Piastri is in because Alpine has uh, taken him to court. Um, or Yeah, so he's uh, they're preparing to go to court. Uh, over Piastri leaving, uh, their goal from what I was reading is that they would like to have the money refunded to them for the what they've invested in his career. Um, mm. So they, they understand that he's left and all, but um, I think he, he, from what I understand, he came up through the kind of Renault pipeline, um, they bring him in to be reserve driver after being successful in F2, uh, in their driver program and everything. He's a reserve driver for, I think a year and then mm. just jump ship. Uh, and so, I mean, in my opinion, Hey, good for him for finding a, a drive and like going after it. I don't think anyone expected Alonzo to leave. So it sounds like he, probably was looking for opportunities just expecting to not have an option at Alpine to drive this next year and not wanting to to waste time um 
but yeah, it's definitely uh, just interesting seeing them take him to court um, in regards to that money. And who knows what that'll end up kind of creating, but it, it could be odd. Yeah, and we may not even like hear the um, the the full proceedings of it. I imagine some things like that can just get handled, you know, just in the in the paddock with a handshake and a and a check written kind of thing. Yeah, um, they'll probably come to some sort of settlement in over it. But sure, what kind of worries me in those scenarios is. Is it the driver? Was it the teams? What what happened? And I'm worried that because these are these are young guys ultimately, and depending on what their parents are about, I I I don't know about the Piastri family, but just thinking about young drivers, what I know about you know young League of Legends players, what you know about young hip hop artists, what you know about X Y Z. You just hope that the management's behind them and isn't like fucking like I basically what I'm saying is I hope it's Oscar Piastri's fault and not people on his team, like not helping him out in the proper ways to leave him like like you don't want this to just end his motorsport scenario. Yeah, and and I don't think it will um right but i do i do have a feeling that it really is something to the effect of what what i just said because from across the grid and everything that i've seen online no one knew that alonzo was going to to jump to the aston martin drive um people didn't even know long before that happened that Seb was retiring. Like that was just a very bang, bang, bang kind of thing. And so obviously like we were talking about before, I think Alpine was like, Oh, like we're, Oh shit. We don't have a driver now. Like, uh, let, let's put this guy in. He's like our, our best option that, and like they obviously as a reserve driver, trust him to, uh, to be in their machinery, but I just have a feeling he had probably already started contract negotiations out elsewhere because no one expected Alonzo to be going anywhere. Right. Um, so I think that uh, that's hopefully what happened and not uh, some bad advice from friends or family or management, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's uh, it kind of, I think unfortunately we'll leave this like dark cloud over his head a little bit, uh, into next season. So, mm-hmm. um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Hopefully he can take it all in stride. And, uh, I think if he can, well, then that will hopefully make him a pretty well-rounded, uh, driver and everything. Cause that's a, a lot of pressure to be put under immediately in your career. A lot of drivers get the opportunity to start on a, uh, back of the grid team or a sister team or something like that um, mm-hmm. where the expectations are low and it's about learning and growing and testing your potential. And so now he's going to be thrust into to the spotlight a bit. So um, best of luck to him. I'm looking forward to, to that. We've got lots of F1 before he gets his drive though. So yeah. Uh, what do we got? Nine to go. 
Yeah, I guess nine to go since uh, since Russia was taken off the the list. And I don't believe it was replaced. Right. Um, so hooligans. And so leading into uh, into upcoming F one, even though we're still a couple weeks away. Um, yeah. Uh, Mattia Bonato says that Ferrari is not going to change their approach going into the second half of the season. He doesn't think that Ferrari has done anything wrong or made mistakes, uh, apparently. So, um, I, that's just kind of mind boggling. Um, I think that whether it's their reliability issue, just outside of their reliability issues we've just seen so many mistakes in terms of race strategy and i'm like right there's got to be something that you can improve on you can't look at ferrari's first half of the season and just go no no we're we're doing everything right just bad luck like it's not some maybe not all of it some bad luck i i have to think that some of those press releases they don't believe that stuff that they say or they're oversimplifying to the degree that it comes across as like well that doesn't make sense or they're actually answering a different question in some regard where they're like oh you know are you gonna change the blah 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 and what Matteo's thinking is like oh no well we're going to continue along the same process. Yeah. You know, things have gone awry, blah, 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 blah. Like he could be addressing. Yeah. Just something else. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I have to believe that those guys are so calculated in what they're saying that. I don't know. No, I, I definitely get what you mean. Um, of course we'll wait and see, but I, it could be just a bluff or, um, I don't know if if he really does believe that and it's talking about what uh, it seemed like from what I was reading. Doesn't give me a lot of hope for Ferrari to have a, a good second half of the season. And right. uh, I think we'll have a nice fight for, for second and third between them and Mercedes. Uh, so not uh, not too much else going on in the f1 world but um still a little bit of the off season uh little bits and pieces that we'll get here or i guess mid-season bits and pieces that we'll get here and there um but do you have anything else that you want to touch on as we move into league of legends nope we'll just uh keep everyone updated as we get rosters solidified but other than that we've still got a couple weeks till spa um so yeah, that's all I've got. Let's start with uh, some LCS games. Yep, and uh, Hooney also announced his retirement this week. So, uh, so Hooney is stepping away from League of Legends completely. Uh, we saw him step out of the lineup for TSM a few weeks back because of some ongoing wrist issues and everything. And so, uh, I guess he's at the point in his career where. Um, He's had a lot of success. He's had a great career and everything, and uh, just for for health and all, gets to to step away, walk off into the sunset. Uh, I know I've been critical of him, but like looking at his career in general, he's had a really spectacular uh, 
career. Yeah, so. world champion with T1, correct? Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's an accolade that, uh, you know, you get the green jacket and you're in the club forever. Yeah, not too many people have it. Um, uh, I think, was it the perfect split with Fnatic, the almost perfect split with Immortals? Mm-hmm. Um, and all the, the last couple of years, uh, I've definitely been critical of him, but uh, but congratulations, Sahuni, on a uh, a great career, and, and I hope he enjoys retirement and finds uh, something fun to enjoy after his League of Legends life. Well, I hope his I hope his wrists are doing okay. I hope uh, you know just him and his family are in good health in general. You don't want to hear someone you know retiring from an injury because of the thing that they were doing for work. Um, so yeah, you know we just wish good health to him and his family. He's a a wonderful player to watch. Very fun, like we said, world champion. Um, really yeah. good egg. Definitely. Uh, we'll be, we'll be missed. Very funny guy as well. But, um, but that was the only note I had before we talk about our LCS matches for the week. We had cloud nine versus CLG. And then we had team liquid versus evil geniuses. Um, I guess, uh, if you want to go ahead and get us started in the C nine CLG matchup, I'll pull my notes up on my phone. Cause that's what I have to do at this point in my life. I think um, an interesting place to start is the CLG draft. Um, we see the Karma and Jace. This has an insane amount of poke, an insane amount of disengage and counter-engage. Um, so just from the pick and ban, interesting draft. You get standard Lucian Nami on the other side. You get Fudge on the top lane on his... Um, on his Fiora and then, you know, blabber on the trundle. Um, so interesting, interesting draft overall, the, um, the Wukong trundle quite standard at this point, but I think the, you know, the, the main core of the poke comp from CLG was really kind of what stood out in this game kind of at the, uh, at the start. Yeah. And I, I had some notes as well, the Jace, um, and kind of, using that as the last pick flex pick to be able to um, decide if you're sending the Yone top versus the Fiora or um, kind of giving Dokla the upper hand in the matchup with, with Jason, the range into the Fiora. I think Mm. that was a a really nice shift that they made. And also going with the, the triple AD on the top side um, to kind of go with the Seraphine and the Karma in the bot lane the amount of just range advantage that you have in that bot lane, I think um, CLG won the draft pretty handily, in my opinion. I think that yeah. um, the scaling that you have on C9 is pretty strong if you can get to that point. But I just, uh, looking at the draft initially, it's really tough to get there um, because like you said, a lot of disengage, a lot of poke uh, from CLG's side. You don't have the ability to really go in as much and get too far ahead, Um, especially with the way the game starts with the late invade from Cloud9, Blabber getting uh, killed at the opposing red buff and just kind of 
uh, immediately tipping things in CLG's uh, favor from the start. They they kind of thought that they had a little cheeky late invade uh, and ran into a 3v2 pretty quickly. Um, so definitely a, a bad way to get the ball rolling when you need to get ahead. Yeah, it didn't start out really well. And then we see the uh, fumble in the top side where Poom rotated all the way top to kind of meet the ju- the opposing jungle timer, mess that whole thing up. Um, so, yeah, I think right from the beginning, there's a uh, just sense of Cloud9 being on the back foot mm-hmm. in comps that we already had a sense of CLG getting uh, the better draft. And then from there, there's the the first Rift Herald fight that Cloud9 came in so scattered, yeah. so like CLG not calling rotated. the right they rotated so quickly too and just had the numbers like immediately. And that was, yeah, that was a a huge, huge um, moment I think in, in the early game. Yeah. And we see contracts take a big like tempo advantage there. We see him take a big um, experience advantage there and just, just starts to get rolling. Um, And I think that's, that's the fight that, began tipping it in the in the favor of clg where they were able to uh control the game state pretty well from there you know we have the the four dragons from them where you know they go to just lock it up from from every angle yeah and c9 did fight back a little bit they they did go bot and um look to to try and pick up some kills i think they killed poom in the bot lane uh with a a quick burst out from the Lucian Nami, but then just hanging around too low, too long and, and contracts again, showing up. Um, he played really, really well in this matchup, um, later on in the game, getting, uh, a pick on, I believe it was blabber around the red buff, um, where they were able to pick him off and start moving over to Baron, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of, continue that snowball i think uh unfortunately cloud nine like i said they needed their comp to get ahead a little bit and be able to to put pressure on in the early game and just were immediately set on the back foot from some some solid play from clg um Mm -hmm. so i was i was impressed with the clg's performance their draft like i said was really really solid um so i i definitely um as a C9 fan, I think that there's some some good things to work on. I think they uh, overextend a bit too much when they're behind. I felt like there were uh, a couple moments Fudge got picked off as well, uh, overextending later in the game, um, kind of going past that general vision range mm-hmm. that C9 had. Um, so I think that is a, a big thing to work on is not – uh not overstepping when you're when you're trying to get back in the game um or when you're in the lead we saw a couple of the the games in the LPL and LCK where i felt like there were some steps over extending uh when teams were in the lead and it, right. it kind of set them back a little bit as well so so just kind of uh 
tempering their aggression. I think C9 has some struggles doing that. So, uh, so props to CLG for kind of continuing to push their advantage throughout that matchup. And using a really interesting draft uh, to do it, the one thing I want to comment on is the head-to-head between Jensen and Palafox, the Azir versus Yone matchup. And Jensen really was kind of breaking Palafox's ankles. There were a lot of dodges on the alt, the Q setups, mm-hmm. or whatever the ability is, and um, really denied a lot of damage, probably denied a kill or two even, just by Definitely. sidestepping some of the abilities. So great work from Jensen. I think he played very well in that head-to-head matchup. Obviously, it wasn't going to be enough to win the whole game. Just wanted to comment on like the caster kind of assassin matchup where we see Jensen playing it out very well, both in the lane, mid, and late game, um, understanding the play patterns and timings of the own and just sidestepping when important, just uh, doing it clean as ever. So yeah, uh, GG's to CLG against Cloud9 here in um, going into the second to last, the penultimate week. Uh, not the last, but the second to last. Uh, so yeah, uh, GG's to CLG in that matchup. Let's uh, move on to the Evil Geniuses versus Team Liquid. Again, another interesting, uh, interesting draft. I think the the set is something that we have not really seen in, very much in a while. Uh, we occasionally mm-hmm. saw it in the bot lane as a support, um, but really have not seen it too frequently. Um, and then Team Liquid picking up on the the Sivir and uh, kind of the prioritization that has changed in uh, looking for that um, with the Callista, Ezreal, and Zeri being banned out. Yeah, the rise in Sivir priority is quite interesting. Obviously, it's a great team fighting ultimate. Scales insanely well. Once you start getting those ricochets out, um, the amount of area of effect team fight damage is just nuts. Um, so yeah, I it's it's an interesting pick. Obviously, the change of the patch has brought a bunch of these you know champion changes on. Um, so yeah, Silver rising priority two two one and eight from Han Sama on that one. Like you mentioned, the set uh, from Team Liquid. And it was described as the Gwen counter pick that uh, Bwipo was quite confident in. And yet it really uh, played out that way during the match. Yeah, he the top lane was was definitely Team Liquid's kind of key to cracking the door open. Um, what I do find interesting is that their team comp is, is definitely a strong sta- uh, scaling team comp so i think i expected them to uh take a little longer in this game but they they really were able to to take that top lane pressure um just with uh Blippo on the set he's able to get a couple kills they focus top lane um have uh have the trundle in the set kind of put him behind. And then once you get to that point, the set was just big enough that you couldn't blow him up. And so they're just wasting so much on him in every single team fight. And his haymaker 
is just giving him ridiculous shielding, um, allowing him to to outlast any sort of burst that the Wukong, the Gwen are able to give. Um, his his microing in and out of the fight as well in a number of those were uh, was really impressive to watch. He was able mm-hmm. to to kind of stay out of range just enough to still be impactful, but without uh, without going down. So I, whether or not it's a Gwen counter pick, I thought it was uh, really well played and the focus to, to ensure that it got ahead and uh, was able to have a huge impact, I think really opened the door for Team Liquid in the, the matchup. Yeah, he had a bunch of really key uh, shielding moments that just brought about, well, because you get the... Um the shielding plus the gore drinker massive boost of health that he was just going from, you know, 1% to like 60% health, um, in some of these fights. And honestly, I have like three notes. I was super excited. You know, I'm writing about the, you know, Oh, the team liquid focus in the top lane. And my last note is just, what is this set? Holy shielding. Like at a certain point, it was just the Bwipo show, you know, everybody else was just cleaning up kills around him they got the advantages they needed to they just pushed out all the turrets picked up a baron and like it was yeah the score was 20 to 6 santorin seven and one bjergsen's five and one like unfortunately it was just kind of a stomp after a really really well orchestrated dive in the top lane yeah and i was really uh again impressed from tl's side they um are matching up against the the top team in the LCS or I guess what was the top team in LCS now tied for top. Yeah. But they really were able to, to kind of control the game throughout. Um, Didn't give any opportunities for EG to get back into it late in the game. As you mentioned, the, uh, the set was just ridiculous. He's jumping into the middle of, uh, the EG comp and really just completely zoning off four people while they're able to kill the Gwen and then just kind of push down mid to end the game at that point. But it was a really uh, nicely controlled win from uh, from Team Liquid as a whole. Yeah, especially like you said, going up against the top team in the league, uh, really putting up a good performance and just from a pick and band standpoint from a gameplay standpoint from a plan standpoint like you know macro micro i guess you could say um just really well well played from team liquid 24 minute stop yeah and um i guess that uh locks in the playoff um well most of the playoff teams for the lcs uh, bar except for tiebreakers for position and whatnot. Um, FlyQuest is in sixth. They're the only team that uh, could potentially end up um, falling out of the playoff positions at this point if uh, they go 0-2, TSM goes 2-0 um, because they uh, currently are one... Um, see here i think yeah if i'm reading this correctly t 
TSM uh, is one and zero against them currently. Um, so that actually might be the tiebreaker um, if FlyQuest uh, loses both matchups this coming week. TSM would have a two zero head to head against them. So oh wow okay well and but TSM would have that, to win both right so. Um, so yeah, that's the only, uh, the only real shift that can have in terms of who is in the playoffs. Now it's all for seeding. We have a tie at the top with hundred thieves and EG at 12 and three, uh, CLG and team liquid at 10 and five tied for third. And then mm-hmm. cloud nine in fifth at eight and seven fly quest at seven and eight and sixth. Nice. That should, uh, that should make for some pretty interesting playoffs here. Definitely, and uh, and an interesting last week. We could have some good tiebreaker games and whatnot. Uh, so, looking forward to this last week of LCS before we start into playoffs. Yeah, uh, we have a super week here coming up. Um, so, yeah, we're we'll have. I guess we'll do three games for North America. Hit uh, each day of the super week, or you know, just uh, get. Get good coverage of the Super Week for you. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, move on. Hit some LCK. Obviously, no matter where we go across the world this week, we've just got just domination. Yeah. Um, and so the matchup that we had picked was the uh, DRX versus Kwangdong Freaks. That was um, one of the closer head-to-heads that we had in the LCK this week. Um, DRX is in, uh, sixth. They were eight and seven at the time where Kwangdong Freaks was six and nine. So only Mm -hmm. two games back. Um, but yeah, as you said, it was, uh, not the closest of matchups this past week. And it really is this mix up of, the bottom lane, we're getting more of the Enchantresses. We see the Shirelia's Reverie come back as uh, the rushed item alongside the Sivir. Just gives you a massive movement speed buff. Great for like the, you know, like mid-game neutral objective fights. Movement speed just helps you get on top of the enemy champions. You can bring that from your AD carry role. And then the rest of your comp can be just really solid skirmishers. Uh, from the DRX side, we see the Xin Zhao and the Gragas that have so much disruption, take so much space in a fight, um, that giving them that extra movement speed is going to be pretty big. So again, we see the results of the new patch coming through with the big prio shift to the Sivir. You know, we see Deft and Barrel on DRX side on that little duo there. Interestingly enough, and this may be one of the first times I'm seeing it, Ghost meta on 80 carries. Yeah, well, and I think um, just the protection that they kind of had in the peel for the Sivir allowed for that... um, that ghost and i think it also just suits zeri and sivir very well um with being able to to chase people down um having that that extra chase down potential is is big um but i think it did definitely work better on the sivir they really drafted around 
that having a lot of protection with the Sivir Lulu, the Gragas as well, uh, for a lot of disruption, disengage, um, and tankiness and everything there. Um, from the get-go in game one, it was just... Well, I, I would say from the get-go, but it was a slow start. It really took a little while until um, even the first kill came across, I think, around nine minutes. There was... Uh, and after that, it was just very much a, a farming kind of matchup, um, a little farming simulator in the LCK uh, to get them to the point where, I, I mean, I don't think you want to go into a farming sim simulator against the Sivir. I thought that was, that was a little odd, but uh, they were just able to kind of get her going in the team fights. Um, DRX did have a couple of slip-ups though throughout the game with just, uh, as I was saying, kind of overextending, um, at different points in time and kind of allowing, uh, Kwangdong to try and creep back into the game. Yeah, and that's been, like, one of the issues that we've seen with DRX coming into this split is we see some, like, mid-game transition uh, issues with them where they can develop really good early-game leads but often struggle to convert that to a game victory because they kind of flounder in the mid-game. Uh, we see their, their vision fall off a little bit around, you know, whatever neutral they're looking for next towards the mid to late game we see the vision fall off not get as much control so they're you know getting picked off in rotations or going to side lanes so it kind of slows down their progression um thankfully we didn't see those consistency issues come through this time excuse me and drx was uh um able to to finally pull through yeah, and uh, seeing game two, we see them uh, basically run back essentially the same team comp that they had before. Uh, only difference is the Zinzao gets banned out um, in the second round of bans, so they ended up with the Trundle in the, the jungle instead. Mm -hmm. But the first five bans um, in the LCK remain the same in both games. It's um, you're, you're banning out the Gwen, the Poppy, the Callista, uh, the Silas, Yumi, and Wukong, which I think are all, um, really, really good and appropriate bands right now. Um, I think Wukong is really strong because he snowballs so hard and has, uh, so much disruption as we saw kind of with, uh, contracts in the C9 CLG game. Um, yep. And so these other these other champions, I think, are just all good counterpicks, uh, pretty strong right now. But the Wukong um, and just all those bands staying the same, um, I always find interesting when we see see that kind of come across with. Uh, but it, that's just the usual LCK thing is like these are the OPs. We're banning them all out. Yeah, and that's like those are the you know blue side bands and the red side bands specifically because it 
is like xing out certain strategies or at least hoping to like minimize the effectiveness of something and they yeah it's it's like uh it's like a handshake kind of thing um like some of the casters are saying where it's like all right we uh, agree to not we're not doing these um and like you said just very interesting i really enjoy the from the kwangdong freak side i really enjoy the orn i think it gives you some really like really solid late game assurance where you can start building those ornaments start like maximizing your power mm -hmm. for your champions um the rakan didn't seem to work too well we see the pivot from the freaks into the um into the renata for game two um obviously thinking the orn wasn't good enough from kwandan freak so they pivot out of that from the top lane pivot out of the Lee Sin as well um and uh go for the vi which again was decent but overall i think struggled once uh they fall behind yeah i would i would agree i think that um there there has to be something different that would have been better suited for for the matchup um i mean we're seeing uh throughout the game the talia trying to get uh separation and kind of isolate uh players with the ultimate and everything and with the other cc that you have you have the sejuani you have the renata um with the hostile takeover so you have these abilities that are able to to kind of focus out and and hit people from range but then you're having a vi where you're just diving straight into the middle of everyone um as opposed to something that maybe could have done a little bit more uh, from from distance, or or maybe just had a little bit more um, uh, crowd control that you can hit multiple champions with uh, mm -hmm. in some sort. I'm not having anything immediately come to mind for uh, for a specific pick, but I just think mm -hmm. that there are. Um, there are other picks that would have been better than, oh, hey, we can stun these people from the outside and have and make them attack each other and have Zeri and Talia kind of hit from range and then have a Vi just dive into the middle of their team. Um, and we see it work pretty well during the play in the bottom lane. They pull the Talia down with a really nice Weaver's Wall and just really set up on um, the bottom lane and jungler of DRX. Uh, we see the hostile takeover keep them on, you know, the dangerous side of the wall. Mm -hmm. And it all, you know, really worked out. But that was the one time uh, Freaks were able to really kind of put it all together and um, kind of get an advantage for themselves but yeah other than that they weren't able to lock up all the cc all at once yeah and if i'm remembering correctly that was also pretty late in that game as well in the bot lane um I, if i if it's the moment i'm thinking of so at that point mm -hmm. i think it was uh it was a little too far gone um but yeah just drx controlling the games kind of throughout um as i said a little bit of uh, a slip up here and there with overextending um, in game two. They they got behind early, but through their dragon control and kind of just macro and everything around the map, they were able to to kind of bring things even, 
um, get the dragon soul, of course, get the elder, uh, and then from there close out the game a little slightly more slowly than in, uh, than in game one, but definitely kind of maintaining their hold throughout. Yeah. And, um, you know, once the, once the Lulu trundle train really got rolling, um, it was going to be tough for that early advantage that the Kwangdong freaks did, did manage to get that quickly just fell away as the uh, Trundle became pretty pretty unkillable there into the mid game. So yeah, GG's to DRX in their matchup against Kwangdong Freaks going 2-0 in their series. Um, I think really exciting stuff. I think it was a showcase of the Sivir and what Sivir is capable of, not only in a draft, uh, what, what it can do in the games as well, is a champion that I... They may not have been able to make such a comeback if they had another champion. I think giving the movement speed to the whole team gave them the ability, especially in game two, to kind of kite away from some of the engages and really just gave them the ankle-breaking potential. Um, so yeah, GG's to DRX. Definitely, and we're leading into the final week of LCK as well. Yep. Um, so right now, that is also pretty tied up other than uh, specific positions. We've got Genji in first at 16 and one T one in second at 14 and three, uh, live sandbox 12 and five. Then we have Damwon gaming, Kia, KT Rolser and DRX all tied at nine and seven, uh, in those four through six positions. Nice. Um, so some good League of Legends to be had in this last week of LCK. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see where those shake out. And then, um, so I believe with the uh, playoff setup and everything, we'll have um, T1 and Gen.G having their, um, their bye weeks. And then mm -hmm. everything else will kind of shake out to see... Uh, see what matchups we have in that first round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, uh, really looking forward to it. So lots of good LCK. We did have an LPL matchup. Um, as we said, we kind of picked some, some matchups that didn't end up being quite as close as we expected. We had the top esports versus V5 matchup. Um, well, let me pause you right there, because this this of the game, well, to be fair, the way we lined it up, we hoped for a bunch of, like, really even parody matches. Even this one, you know, we thought, like, oh, this is definitely going to go three games. Um, you know, they always, it's always these, you know, uh, I, I couldn't think of a, a boxing metaphor quickly enough. Um, but like just two heavyweights going at it. And so this is V5 on like kind of a slump, not doing so hot in their recent matches and top esports coming on a 13, I think it's a 13 game win streak. I don't think it was a 13 match win streak. Um, but a 13 game win streak. So top esports coming into the match, definitely looking like a favorite. Uh, but but V five obviously always always going to give a good matchup. But yeah, we see um, just some really heads up drafting from V five, and then playing out the games kind of uh, kind of beautifully. Yeah, 
They, um, I think, picked well and, and really played around their comps well. Um, one one note for sure uh, on my end was the Viego pick in game one for top esports. I was just not not very impressed with. I think we've kind of seen him fall out of the meta for a reason. Um, the Wukong was just so much stronger in the 1v1. Um, we see top uh, going and, and trying to get that, that pressure early game and getting a kill on Rich in the top lane. Um, but it was one one kill that they were able to get. Um, outside of that, V5 really was able to to utilize their comp around the map, around objectives. They're in these 5v5 team fights like the one that we saw at the Rift Herald um, where you just have Rich hitting a ridiculous Orn ultimate, call of the Forged God, nailing it through, I think, four members of top esports and just immediately seeing uh, their health bars start to melt while they're they're stunned there. Um, Photic and PP God played phenomenally in the bot lane um, after after uh, top esports got that kill in the top side. They immediately go and get a double kill in the bot lane. Um, it was it was just a clinic in game one from V five. Yeah, and it was it was even interesting. You based on the draft, you would have thought that um, top esports was going to have the advantage in the bottom lane. Like whenever whenever the Cogmall W is up, they're going to have an impossible trading advantage over the short range of the Lucian and the Nami. Um, so the lane was locked up for Jackie Love and Mark pretty much. Uh, and then the mid game decision making and movements from the Lucian Nami put them in a position where they were able to like uh catch the bottom laners out they were able to get some like really good culling damage down and just surprise uh the members of top esports so i think big plays from uh victory five in the bottom lane because yeah like you said a 702 photic on the lucian just disgusting so much fun to watch i even have a note here like spectator note um enjoy the lucian nami and photic was playing it like really crisp throwing out the the under turret cullings was just hilarious like knowing he had the gale force to pop back out with the dash just really playing it really flashy really clean going 7-0 and 2 beautiful yeah and i mean they do definitely in the early game have that advantage but that's the whole point of having the lulu like you you have the Lucian Nami, the the damage you get from the Nami buff on Lucian uh, with the double hits and everything is is big, and you have mm-hmm. the mobility early. But that's why you draft the Lulu with the Kogma. It's protect the Kogma. You are your goal is to keep him alive, not overextend. Only really move up or or whatnot when you have that W up to be able to really hit from range. Um, and Photic and, and PP God played it phenomenally. Like you said, getting, getting the jump in a couple different occasions to, uh, to get some kills and just snowball that lead. And V5 really didn't, uh, didn't turn around after that lead in game one. They just kind of clinically closed everything out pretty, mm-hmm. pretty quickly as well. 
Yeah, and then we saw that continue into uh, we saw it continue into game two. Obviously, there is well, I shouldn't say obviously. Um, there was some highlighting of the Oriana and Silas matchup from the casters, but rookie both sides of the caster Silas matchup he had the better of um, in the first game, played the Oriana really well, played the lane very strong, and then now going into game two up against Knight, survived uh, the laning phase in the early game and was able to, you know, have some really good team fights for his team. Yeah, and in game two, um, it you see top kind of, adjust slightly and go for instead of protect the Kogma, they go for protect the Sivir. Um, they have Tian on the Trundle and Wayward on the Gragas to give some good peel and everything to, to hopefully keep people off of Jackie Love. Um, we see the Yumi coming out as well to try and give a little extra protection. Um, but in nonetheless, we really just don't see them have the ability to uh to get that lane ahead and start to scale um we see uh knight get the early kill in the mid lane on rookie mm-hmm. um and then when the the bot fight breaks out they end up going two and two um mm-hmm. which i think just benefits photic and pp god in that sense because you're just you're not you're in a, a scaling matchup on both sides, and uh, I think that that just favors the um, the Senna really on that side early, um, as well as with PP God on Seraphine. You're you're just putting money in the pockets. Yumi doesn't do as much with that money as the Seraphine does, and so right. that that two v two kill or, or i guess both both teams going down in the bot lane i think um kind of leans in v5's favor uh and it was in game two a lot of like incremental kind of advantages that i felt yep. like they were um just consistently being able to pull out throughout the game um it was uh it was it was impressive they they controlled vision very well to set up lots of different opportunities um, I thought that game one, they just kind of rolled over top esports. Game two, they definitely had to work for it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like they they really played a very clean game uh, in game two as well. Yeah, especially in the mid game, you saw they they didn't. They didn't play over eager. They didn't overstep. You saw them moving as like big five man little balls, uh, making sure that they were all together, all ready for a fight, knowing that uh, they were better as a group than alone, especially with the LeBlanc roaming around. Um, uh, speaking of the LeBlanc, once it came to the you know mid game fights. There were a couple of jump-ins by night that just did not do a whole lot of damage. And it seemed like it was that information that V5 was like, 
oh, she doesn't kill us here. Like, we just, we can just fight now. Um, there were a lot of, like, failed attempts at burst uh, from the LeBlanc. The W's down. She's got to wait for her cooldowns, and V5 just yeah. pounces. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just well played by by V5, but not um, not overstepping. Yeah, and um, it it looked like there were going to be moments that they might. Um, there was the the double dragon fight uh, yeah. that we see a five V five fight uh, V five comes out on top five, five to three um, getting two kills, but they're all so low that they just kind of hang around. And I was just waiting for Knight to get in there and pop a couple people. Um, unfortunately wasn't able to do that on top esports side uh and then we just have the tp back in from wayward um we get back into another 5v5 right around the dragon um and are just able to see uh v5 kind of extend that fight as well have really solid positioning to to ensure that they're keeping um keeping their carries alive and then just kind of winning out there and just kind of pushing from that point through, uh, kind of checking everything off the list, hitting mm -hmm. the Baron, um, and then just turrets and inhibs until, uh, until they kind of wrapped it up. Closed up their evening early. Didn't end up going to uh, the game three. Ending the uh, the win streak. Ending their slump. Uh, so yeah, big victory for victory five over top esports in their in their series here. Yeah, and uh, like you had said, it was definitely the most competitive. I think of uh, the best of matchups at least that we had. Um, and so some good quality League of Legends there. Um, definitely enjoyed that a lot. But sure. I don't think we have uh, any other notes for League of Legends um, other than I'll run through the LPL standings as well since I just uh, had been doing that. So top 10 teams go to the playoffs in the LPL um, out of the 17. So JDG, Top Esports, RNG, V5, those are the top four. Um, and we have Edward Gaming, Weibo Gaming, OMG, uh, LNG, and Anyone's Legend tied for eighth and ninth. And then Billy Billy Gaming taking that last spot, but only uh, half a game ahead of Fun Plus Phoenix. They have a win up in the win column, but they're tied in losses. Um, and then uh, a full game ahead of Thunder Talk Gaming, who's played two less games than them. So uh, potential for some shakeups at the bottom of the standings there. Um, but I believe that uh, at least the top six are locked in right now. Nice. Yeah, so we'll have some possibility for some shakeups here coming into, uh, coming into the last, last matches. Yeah. So we'll see how that shakes out. We've got uh, lots of playoff League of Legends on the horizon uh, that I am looking forward to. Me too. But Justin, you had some Magic games. How was it? What are you playing? Give me the deets. 
really long pauses to know when I'm supposed to go in there. Yeah, um, I know. I, I, that was not my best, but that's okay. That's okay. We can work on it. Um, we'll, we'll, okay. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. Um, have you ever seen 50 Shades of Grey? Yeah. You know the part where she's like, well, how bad is it? And he's like, you don't even want to know. And then he like spanks her six times with the belt. That was going to be the joke where it's like, well, we'll we'll worry about it in the red room later. Uh, Yes. Dude, like it is my superpower to walk out of the room when the sexy stuff is on the TV that Sarah's watching. And it's just like, I'm just coming out for water. And here's this guy just like, oh, yeah, it's hilarious. (laughs) Anyway, I said I wasn't going to go there. I went there anyway. That's fine. Just, we'll work uh, on it later. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll cut that out and we'll we'll cut that out afterwards. But yeah, so we've had some magic games recently. Nothing like this week, but I, I do want to talk about some of the most recent games because there's just some fun stuff going on there. Um cool. so friend of the show, Buddha Spoon was playing with myself and Braxit. We got some three Mander uh three mander commander in just playing with uh three players and i tried out a what used to be my golos list before he was banned in commander changed the commander to a different one but it's it's basically the same strategy um are, so are Ian, you playing like is this uh like uh cedh um no, when you're no, playing with them no okay I wasn't sure or like, so, cause you're talking about bands. I know that with your pod, you guys do specific bands on their own. Um, more so at least for the, uh, commander nine league, you don't right. really follow the typical band list and everything. So, well, we do. And that's why I changed the commander because okay, gotcha. I would only be able to play it at that table to the groans of everybody there because Ian still is going to feel like, well, that's a band commander. No wonder you won. Right. Gotcha. So we do still go by that band list. Okay. The I can band that we do is like the full deck that we're banning away. Okay. Well, Just I was for the matchup. Go ahead. Yeah, because I was thinking of. I thought that there was a time period that there were some cards that were banned in CEDH that you guys were like, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And so I thought that you had um, uh, just kind of continued to la- allow them to play through. It was. Um, I remember we were talking about the. Um, the Watsi people banning things that like you felt like were more just prevalent issues probably in their pod that they were banning across the board for CEDH. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I thought I recalled that you had like convert. I, I think you had had conversations with the commander nine guys about like, Oh, do we like ban this? Do we not? Because like, we ban it because they say to or not because it really doesn't have that kind of negative impact on our games and all. So I wasn't sure, I think, from that whether or not you follow the full like ban list for for that. Yeah, I I think the result of those conversations is yeah, it 
it just makes more sense to just build with that in mind um because then you can bring your deck anywhere and play and it's not this like weird like oh here's my house rule no ban list you know janky thing do you whatever that's just a whole conversation but gotcha. no, you're, okay. you're you're right we have had conversations in the commander nine group about bands from the you know the makers of the format you know and that's a that's a different thing okay anyway the commander changed for my five color lands deck and ian recently gifted me from the new set a copy of gond gate and a copy of boulders gate which are new gates for so they're lands but they have the subtype gate. So it works for certain cards that reference gates. And so I was very pleased and very grateful to Ian um, for gifting me those cards. He didn't like ask for any money. I didn't ask for them. It wasn't like an expected trade. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. Just out of the blue, he was thinking of my decks knew that i had a gates deck and was like hey i'm not gonna use these i'm just gonna give it to justin um where previously i thought he hated me and wanted nothing to do with me here he was like gifting me you know these these like really nice good cards for one of my decks so that was very cool against buddha and braxit i whipped that deck out and saw the absolute power of both of those cards. I wasn't able to win that game, but uh, seeing them both in play on the battlefield was kind of disgusting together. I made a lot of very explosive moves, had some really fun turns, and it was all due to those gates being just really good for the strategy. So that deck was really fun to play. Um, So I wanted to mention that. Nice. That's awesome. And uh that's very like you said, very cool Ian to to be thinking like, oh, like I'm not gonna use these here. Let me give them to, to Justin. Um it suits his deck better. Um so pretty cool. Uh I don't think I ever thought that uh that Ian hated you, but uh <laughs> but I think that confirms he does not. So Yeah. Yeah, no hate confirmed. Uh, so yeah, those were those were fun cards to see in that group. Me and Braxton were talking about how his Magda list is like modal, where he can take out some, he can take out a package of cards, put in another package, and it can power up or down the deck to fit certain you know power levels if we're trying to play at a more casual like beer and pretzel level to use buddha's term um a more beer and pretzel level you know he can take these cards out put these ones in for just like a, a funner experience and um so me and buddha then were tinkering around with the same idea he's got a commander in mind um so yeah just some fun stuff coming up that i'll be interested to talk about um but with the commander nine we got some games in as well. Ian brought a new commander. Uh, I believe it's Cathrol. I think it's Aspect Weaver or something similar. So the idea is when it enters the battlefield, it's going to get... You can distribute 
a counter of the keywords that are on creatures in your graveyard and then put a bunch of plus one plus one counters on them for the amount of uh counters so you end up growing like a bunch of like really just keyword suit massive creatures that are just like really tough to deal with once you get to the combat step um <laughs> got like graveyard interactions all sorts of stuff and obviously ian builds a really good deck so he romped us like in both games that he played the deck first time out of course um so obviously he's the new big bat at the table and everybody learns that we just need to build more graveyard hate into our uh into our commander decks to deal with that problem so just wanted to comment on that game ggs to ian uh his cathrol deck is quite scary he has a copy of hermit druid in there with which can just like fill your library fill your graveyard up from your library at like large swaths of cards at a time um so those were really fun games well that's interesting too because it, i would imagine that a lot of the creature cards and whatnot that are going to have these individual aspects that he can use are also strong so if he's able to get them onto the battlefield in general um without them going to the graveyard they're going to to have a significant impact on the game um so that's uh it's definitely a good strategy to be able to utilize that from uh having the creatures on the battlefield or from the graveyard um mm -hmm. definitely uh a nice multifaceted uh deck it sounds like yeah, very cool. And this is his venture into... So Cathril is green, white, black. Um, and much like every Commander player, we all want to have a deck of every color combination. Um, so I know that is Ian's Abzan deck. So the that's the namesake for the green, black, white decks. Um, so yeah, his take on it, very fun. And uh, excited to see it moving forward. Um, so yeah, those were just some notes on my most recent Commander games that we had a lot of fun with but um yeah i think it's time to get these people out of here let's uh let's hear your flavor of the week here aaron sounds good uh so for my food this week um as i had mentioned in the start of the episode i went to shady maple in lancaster uh phenomenal amish food we went for breakfast i that's typically what my family does they have good food all day long but uh i had some some really solid amish food uh omelets cooked right in front of your eyes with all sorts of uh yummy ingredients i had a uh bacon mushroom swiss omelet which was uh really really good um and i i just enjoy being there it was cool um so that was my food for this week. Uh, my music this week. So there was an album released for Mac Miller that obviously a posthumous album um, called I Love Life, Thank You uh, that has a number of different songs. I think it's about 12 different songs um, that I believe were from, from the vibe that i got were unreleased uh kind of pieces of his similar to kendrick's untitled unmastered um but whereas kendrick's untitled unmastered were very much raw uh cuts of those songs and everything without mm -hmm. much um or, or any editing potentially for those these were songs that definitely 
seem to fit in a number of different of Mac Miller's albums that maybe just didn't make the cut uh, on the cutting room floor. Um, and so it was, it was really cool to listen through those, uh, enjoy music of his that I've not heard before um, right. wow. since it's just been released. Uh, and then being able to kind of tell almost the era of when some of the songs were written or what, album some of those songs were meant for uh and didn't make it to uh i just have really enjoyed that i've listened through a couple times now and uh it's been a uh a nice way to to kind of listen to something new of his uh and while uh of course not having anything new being written any longer so right um so yeah, that I would definitely recommend. Uh, I love life. Thank you. Um, and then for my visual medium this week, uh, I I did this to start the episode when I was joking with Justin, but guess who's back? Back again. Naruto's back. <laughs> Tell a friend. Uh, so I've been watching Naruto again and... Um, I have gotten back into it. It hit a uh, really solid um, storyline. So I felt like there was a little bit of a lull that I kind of went through with it and everything. And so these past few episodes have really hooked me. And so right now, everything that's going on, I'm like, I had to... uh, switch it off to some something else for background noise last night because I was just like, ah, if I leave this on, I'm going to be up until four in the morning, just like hooked on just grinding through these episodes and, and enjoying that. So, uh, so Naruto, uh, is my visual medium and that is my flavor of the week. Hooked on phonics. Hell yeah, man. Um, my visual medium here for the week, much less exciting. We watched the episode one of Sandman. I think it was on Hmm. Netflix. Yeah, I saw that came out. The adaptation of the 80s graphic novel, you know, uh, phenomenon written by Neil Gaiman. And, um, it was, it was an enjoyable experience with Sarah. I don't know if I'll go back to it. Um, Hmm. Why not? Because I remember it was boring. Really? It was boring. And like, didn't you really enjoy Sandman, like the novels? Yeah, but they're like, they're graphic novels. And I think there are some elements of that medium that made it great. And some of those things did not come across in the, in the show. And, adding story elements to make it like fit the small screen making it in those chunks i just don't think that story is like built for it it doesn't make sense the pacing was kind of odd for the first episode um and i'm no like you know stick to the source material type guy i understand that the adaptations and edits have to be made but um overall it just seemed like a boring take on a story that i like fell in love with for very specific reasons and when some of those specific reasons are avoided it's like oh well okay this is just a different thing for a different audience 
Gotcha. Yeah. I, I don't know the novel. I would I would say I'd probably give it another episode or two if I were you, just to see if they can uh, maybe lock in on some of those things that you enjoyed um, from the graphic novel. But, uh, uh, of course, don't if you don't want to. <laughs> but sure. I, I don't sure. know. I always uh, – I, I would like to give things the extra little – opportunity um just because you never know sometimes that first episode is just a little rough in terms of like starting stories and everything and just doesn't flow quite as well um maybe there's there's potential for it so no and uh you may be right i might have to get better at um you know being a little patient understanding that the first 50 minutes of something may not be everything that it is and will be uh so yeah that may be some good advice yeah uh take it or leave it either way um i'm sure there are many other good things out there that you can watch uh so i don't think you would be uh at a big loss but might be worth it to give it a shot and maybe i'll be back i'll be back next week maybe that'll be my visual medium sandman episode two um my food speaking of second i had a second appetite last night sarah came home early from appointments there was some kind of blah 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 and so she came home early i had a big bowl of soup there because you know i didn't expect her to be home she comes home and she was like oh i think i'm gonna make burgers i've got hot soup in front of me i'm like yeah but yeah but i've got it's just like count yeah i gotta eat. yeah i was like all right count me in so i said just don't make that many fries for me because i'm more interested in the burger so i had a big old second wind i had the soup i had the burger i had the fries and i even had a little bit of dessert i'm uh i'm turning into just uh, a trash compactor that's for sure but it was all delicious obviously all home cooked uh sarah's uh total queen um, my music for the week, we were talking about Bo Burnham, some of his early work, some of his early funny songs, mm. uh, like Perfect Woman, 3.14 Apple Pie, New Math, some of the funny stuff. That's just an honorable mention. My real music for the week, if you haven't heard it, this may have been already my music for the week. I don't know, but I'll say it again. Albuquerque by Weird Al Yankovic. It's one of the so. funniest songs ever. Um, it's like an 11 minute long story about a one way ticket to Albuquerque, um, and how he hates sauerkraut. It is one of the funniest things. It's like a relic from my childhood. Me and Sarah were talking about that and we, you know, go back and listen to it and it was really funny. So that is my flavor of the week. It is warm root beer flavored. Very cool. I'm assuming that's from music. Yeah, that's uh, from, from the song. Okay. Is it, did you watch a music video for it or was it just like listening through? Oh no, it was just, it was just a song and especially from my childhood, okay. like we only knew it on like burn CDs and yeah. we would, we would have to make sure we were like, Oh no, we can't put that many songs on. Cause we're about to put an 11 minute tune on here. Uh, so we had to sacrifice a bunch of space for it, but, Brutal. uh, but yeah, the it. funniest things ever. Yep. That's awesome. the, uh, flavor of the week though. Very cool. Uh, well, that does, of course, bring us to the end of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, of course, you know where to find us. Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Twitter, at tall and short of one, the number one. Um, we really appreciate all of you uh, taking a listen with us and joining us uh, week after week. 
Yeah, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. New episodes every Thursday. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend. We want to grow the audience big time. Uh, if you want to get involved in events, join the Discord and uh, any socials down in the description on the link tree. Like Aaron said, like I just said, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. Peace out. Later.